This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Peter did not ask the question representing the group. He didn't say, Lord, we would like to know how often one of us should endure a sin by another of us and be offended and how seven times. He didn't ask these questions because Peter was not asking in the abstract. Peter was not asking for the group. Peter was asking for himself personally in verse 21 when he says, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? So this, is, this appears to be a very private discussion, a question between Peter and the Lord, and Peter was personally very upset about one brother in the group who we don't know who it was, we don't know what the sin was he kept doing, it was very real to Peter. Peter was asking the Lord for permission to stop forgiving him because he keeps doing the same thing. Maybe it was his literal brother, maybe it was Andrew. He calls him a brother, probably, maybe, who knows? Or maybe it's just another one of the disciples that called each other brothers, I don't know. But it really doesn't matter because for Peter, it was very real, very personal between him and Christ. And Peter was asking the Lord with a lot of emphasis on me and I and my. And this was a very intense, it was very, the scene here is very intense as Peter locked eyes with the Lord, wanted to put an end to this, this endless cycle of sin and Peter having to forgive. So this is the context here, under which the Lord gave Peter his answer, and he gave him his answer, it was very direct. In verse 22, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee. I don't say to you, is what Jesus said, until seven times, but until 70 times seven, very Middle Eastern way of saying, oh, you know. I mean, that answer the Lord was looking right in the eyes of Peter and said, no, Peter, Peter, no. You may not stop forgiving your brother after seven times for the same sin that he commits against you. And when the Lord said that to Peter, that the number was 70 times seven, which, which by the way is 490, that wasn't a realistic number. I mean, the Lord was not expecting Peter to start counting 
the number of times his brother sinned against him. And Zach said, 413, 77 to go. He wasn't expecting that. But Peter knew that with such a number, 70 times 70, 490, Peter was hearing the Lord say, there's no limit. Peter heard 70 times 7. Peter might as well have heard 4.3 trillion. It didn't matter. It was so high, it didn't matter. It was limitless. And so we can see Peter just stunned by the answer and wondering, why? Why? Why did Peter have to forgive his, his brother without limit? Why is it so important for Peter to keep on suffering, keep on enduring, keep on being hurt from his brother's sin against him, for Peter just to keep on forgiving him? And the Lord replies without Peter saying why. He gives him the why. And the why is, verse 23, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And so the Lord explains now to Peter why it's so important for Peter to keep on forgiving. And in the explanation, the Lord has chosen a story, a parable, with a very sharp point to be, or points really, to be taught. This is a parable that's going to teach about heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, it's heaven itself. It's a parable about a certain king, this certain king in the kingdom of heaven, this certain king is the, is the king of the Jews. This is King Jesus that he's talking to Peter about. And when we see that, we say, oh, I see. The Lord Jesus is going to teach Peter about himself using a certain king to represent him. Okay, got it. And so he goes on. We see this certain king, and he's taking account of his servants. This is what Christ will do from John 5, 22. John 5, 22. He said, the father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the son. Romans 14, 12 says, 14.12, Romans 14.12, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. 2 Corinthians 5.10, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, so we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to you done, whether it be good or bad. Every person's body has been, your body, my body, has been given to us on loan by Christ. And Christ is going to ask for an account on exactly what we did with the body that was loaned to us. Say, what did you do with that body I gave you to use on earth? And another one of Christ's teaching parables, he said in Matthew 25, 14, Matthew 25, 14, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered to them his goods. Unto one, he gave five talents. To another, two, and to another, one to every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded the same and made them five other talents. Likewise, he that received the two, he gained other two. But he that received the one went and digged in the earth, hid his Lord's money. After a long while, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. So every person in this parable, every person in this story here has been given money, and has been given possessions in their life on earth by Christ. In Matthew 25, 19, 25, 19, it says, After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. After a long time, Christ is going to bring everyone in front of him and say, Say, what did you do with that money that I gave you and those possessions that I gave you to use on earth? So in this parable, the king starts to take account of his servants, the one here in Matthew 18. And most people today, 
they think that, well, if there is a God, he really doesn't care. He doesn't care about what goes on down here on planet Earth. He's out to lunch someplace. But he does. And the reason that everybody just has been died and brought to judgment to God right now is because God is in a state of waiting and hoping. God right now is waiting and hoping. Hoping for what? He's hoping for 1 Timothy 2.4. 1 Timothy 2.4. He will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He's hoping that men will just wake up and one day understand the truth that they are sinners bound for hell and that Christ died for their sins. He's hoping that all men will come on their own to the truth, come to the knowledge of the truth. And the truth is, John 14, 6, a person, John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So what it means for a person to come to the knowledge of the truth is a person comes to Christ because he's the truth. And that's what he said in John 5.40. John 5.40, you will not come to me that you might have life. And a person who has to come to Christ to be saved. And so therefore, it says in Matthew 22.30, Matthew 22.30, that Christ sent forth his servant to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Just to call, not to push not to drag, but just come. That's the call of Revelation 22.17, Revelation 22.17, where the Spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. So God is in this state of waiting and hoping. He's hoping for every person to come to Christ to be saved. Why? Why is he waiting and hoping? Because of 2 Peter 3.9, 2 Peter 3.9, where it says the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So as the Lord is explaining about heaven, what heaven is like in this passage here, the Lord is explaining about what heaven is like. He starts by telling about this certain king, and the certain king represents Christ himself, and he reveals that this certain king is a king who is uh, meticulous. He's pretty careful. He's a meticulous judge, and then he explains that there's a certain person who is brought to the king, and he has this enormous debt. In verse 24, when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. He's got a 10,000 talents. Now, in today's money, one talent is the same as $3,000. So 10,000 talents is equivalent today to $30 million. He owes $30 million. So this person has a debt of $30 million, enormous amount. And it's interesting that Christ said that this person was brought to the king. He didn't come on his own steam. In verse 24, verse 24, one was brought unto him. And no wonder he's not running to the king. He owes $30 million to the king. And that debt is crushing. And there's just no way in his lifetime that he's ever going to pay that debt, even though he promises he will. As a matter of fact, that person who owed that king $30 million is never wake up one day and say, you know, I feel good today. I feel really good. I think I'll go to the king and I'll say, king, let's be friends. There's no way he's going to do that because this person is afraid the king is going to say to him, wait a minute, I know you. You're the one who owes me $30 million. Well, what about this $30 million you owe me? Pay up, pal. Or in the prison you go and everything you got gets sold. So the last person that this servant wants to see is the king. 
and he wants to get as far away as he can from the king, and he just hopes that he never has to think about the king, and maybe the king will just die, and maybe the $30 million will just be forgotten. That's where he stands. That's his position. He can't stand for anyone in his life to mention the king's name. He doesn't want to be reminded of the king because that just reminds him of the $30 million debt that's crushing him. So his position is, please, do not talk about the king to me. It's so disturbing because I owe the king $30 million. I can't pay it. So just don't talk about the king. That $30 million represents the debt of sin. Sin is a debt on a balance sheet. And every sin that a person just keeps doing, just keeps adding to that debt on that balance sheet and the payment for sin is heavy because the payment for sin is death. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, Romans 6.23 is talking about a payment when it says the wages of sin is death. So sin is just like Johnny Cash's song where he puts it, well, there was a time on earth when in the books of heaven that old account was standing for sins yet unforgiven. My name was at the top and there were many things below. Well, the old account was large and growing every day I was always sinning and never tried to pay. But when I looked ahead and saw such pain and woe, see, he says, the old account was large and growing every day. I was always sinning and I never tried to pray. So just like the person in verse 24, it's no wonder for us why anyone in life doesn't want to wake up one day and say, I feel great today. I feel good. I think I'll go to God and say, God, let's just be friends. You know, I got to do that because a person today is just like this person in verse 24. A person today is afraid that if they went to God with such a crushing debt of their own personal balance sheet of sins, the person today is afraid of God saying, wait a minute, I know you. You're the one who owes me a lot of debt to pay off all that balance sheet of sin you've got there. What about all those death wages that you owe me for all your sins? Time for you to pay up or be cast into hell for eternity. So the last person that a sinner wants to see today and hear about today is God. He wants to get as far as he can from God, and he just hopes that he'll never think about God and that God maybe will die and the sin debt will just be forgotten. And he can't stand for anyone to mention God's name, especially the name of Jesus Christ, because he just wants not to be reminded of God and this crushing that he owes there. And so he says, please don't talk to me about God. It's just too disturbing to me. And he's thinking, because I owe God a death debt and I can't pay it. And so is it any wonder why a person who owed the king $30 million didn't want anyone to talk to him about the king? Is it any wonder why people today who owe God this crushing death debt doesn't want anyone to talk to, to them about God? Uh, yesterday, I was sitting on American Airlines flight yesterday from Phoenix, I mean, from Loretto to Phoenix, and the person next to me was on his way back to Durango, Colorado, where he lived. The man was one year older than me. He was 72 years old, and he was telling that from his house, he could see four ski slopes around Aspen, and he could see Colorado Rocky Mountain School, or CRMS, where I went for a summer is just outside of Aspen. And in that school, I climbed 10 mountains, and I don't climb mountains today. I could guarantee you that. So he had climbed some of the same mountains. 
And we talked a while about how both of us climbed Mount Castle with its Montezuma Glacier in Colorado. And he had just spent a month in the wild part of Baja camping on the inhabited beaches and kayaking in the waters down there. And in the wintertime, he, he takes a helicopter and they drop him off at the top of some glaciers and he skis down through unmarked mountain passes. And his wife's a ski instructor. And during the summer, he does white water kayaking. So consequently, he was telling me he has a shoulder replacement, he's got two hip replacements, and he's got a knee replacement, trying to do all those sports. And I told him, I said, well, that's why I don't do any of those things. <laughs> anyway, but um, he was telling me, he says, I'm going to do all the sports and adventures that I can while I still can. We had a wonderful time talking together about Colorado, all of his adventures. And I thought to myself, as I was talking to him, this man is 72 years old and I'm 71. And both of us are sitting in that plane are about to hear the heavenly captain say, return to your seat and fasten your seatbelts. We'll be landing soon. And so I thought, you don't have much time. And I'm not as fool enough as him to do all that risky stuff. So I told him that, you know, I was going to preach a sermon tomorrow. I told him I was going to preach a sermon tomorrow entitled, Prepare to Meet Thy God. Suddenly, the conversation froze like one of those glaciers he talked about. <laughs> and he didn't want to talk to me anymore. And he turned as cold as ice. And all he said was that, so how long have you been preaching? <laughs> and that was the end of our great friendly conversation. And he wanted to get as far away as possible from me. What happened? What happened to our great conversation? What happened is the same thing as if I had a great conversation with this man in verse 24 and we're talking away and I said to the man in verse 24 I says you know this Sunday I'm going to preach a message on prepare to meet thy king and that man would have thought it's talking about me the king I owe 30 million dollars to I want to get away far away from this man as I can what happened to that man I was sitting next to an American Airlines fight yesterday when I said I was going to preach a sermon on prepare to meet thy God that man thought he's talking about meeting God and I have a crushing death debt and I want to get as far away from this person as I can. And I thought, well, why doesn't he want to hear about Jesus loves me? This I know. The Bible tells me so. People today have a crushing death debt problem, and they can't pay it like this man in verse 24. He has a crushing debt. He couldn't pay. And this is the problem as we come to verse 25. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, his wife, his children, all he had. He had not to pay. Very simple words, very simple trouble that the man found himself in. He had not to pay. Very simple trouble that people today, like the one sitting yesterday on the plane, he had not to pay. But the servant in this chapter underwent a complete change, and he did something he had never done before, this servant. And in verse 26, it says what he did. He never did this before. It says, the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me. He never did that before. The servant here now is doing this thing he never did before. He's begging the king for patience. The servant now is begging the king for mercy. And he'd never done that before. Why now is this servant doing this thing? Because he's now changed. Incidentally, as we were leaving the plane, Yesterday, I handed the man my book, Changed, and he took the book and he looked at the title. He says, Changed. He goes, that's a dramatic title. Well, then the servant in verse 26 have this dramatic change 
And why now did this servant in verse 26 have this dramatic change to fall down and worship the king and, and ask him for mercy? It was because the servant heard the sentence. He heard the sentence of verse 25, which was his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all he had in payment to be made. And what's going to bring about a dramatic change in that man yesterday? It will be when he hears God's sentence of hell for his eternity. It will be when he can hear God's sentence of Ezekiel 18.20. Ezekiel 18.20, which says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. It will be when he hears God's sentence over the announcements, over the noise of the announcements that he's hearing now, which is your next Baja beach to be camped at will be, your next rocky mountain to climb or to ski down will be, your next whitewater river raft kayak will be, maybe it's going to be just one more knee or one more shoulder or an ankle that's going to go out and it's going to silence all those other announcements of the next Baja Beach, the next Rocky Mountain, the next Whitewater River. Maybe it's going to be some physical limitation that will silence the announcements of all other adventures so he can hear God's sentence. Maybe it's going to be the death of his wife who was sitting two rows back. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot. Matthew twenty-two thirteen. Matthew twenty-two thirteen. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Because only when a person hears God's sentence on the death debt of sin that he owes, will a person do or possibly do, have a chance to do, verse 26, verse 26, which is the servant fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me. And that's the power in that verse of that one little word, therefore. Therefore, in verse 26, he heard the king's sentence and therefore he begged for mercy. And a person has to hear God's sentence of hell for his sins to therefore beg, possibly beg for mercy. And only after that servant cried out to the king for mercy did that servant learn something that he didn't know before. He never saw it before. He never did it before, fell down for mercy. And he never saw before, verse 27. Verse 27 was, then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. The servant never knew forgiveness until he cried to the king for mercy. The servant had to cry out to the king for mercy before his debt was be forgiven. And the point here is that the person will never be forgiven for his sins a person will never be forgiven for his sins until he realizes he's a dirty, rotten sinner, until he hears the verdict of his sins that he'll be cast into hell for eternity, and he therefore falls down and worships Jesus Christ and cries to him for mercy. I was just driving down the road just on my way here. Just on my way here on the freeway. I was driving along, minding my own business, and this truck drives by me, and it says on the back window, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Then, only then, will he hear Jesus say to him the same words that Jesus said in Matthew 9, 2, 9, 2, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Because it still holds, Proverbs 28, 13 still holds, he that covers his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.